Hello, hello, hello. Nicola O'Brien, how's it going? Welcome to Fox First 5, everyone. I chose the worst time possible to eat a mouthful of a rice cake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, Sorry, well, I'll talk for a minute then. I was just commenting <laughs> on the fact that it hasn't stopped raining here for like 16 hours or something. Mm. Great. So cheery. But uh, I've lost all um, of my manners, you know, my online manners from not being at work. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a slab in real life and online now too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I know. Do you know, I was just thinking to myself, actually, before I came on here that you know, it's really important to see people in real life, you know, and in reality. Yeah. And sometimes we get so lazy about doing that because I was actually just chatting to somebody I knew from years ago that I worked with and they were like, oh, we should have a chat sometime or meet up. And I was like, yeah, we should, you know, because we got on well and all that. And it's like, we just get, so, and I think as well, it's like when you're at home with kids and you've got responsibilities and all that, it's like easier not to do the thing sometimes. But I just think it's yeah. good for your mental health. And actually, it's really good for like opportunities and things like that as well, like meeting up with people, you know, and hearing about things that are going on and yeah. staying in touch with people and meeting new people and all that. You know, I feel like we've kind of lost that. I feel like I've lost that a little bit. But um, do, do you think, though, it's because of moving out of the city as well a bit? Not really. I'd say I'd be the exact same if I was inside in Portobello still, to be honest with you. I think it's I think, just... I think for me, it's, well, I suppose it's kind of hard for me to know because of, like, I was I was also pregnant, I've mm. had a baby since. But um, I think when I just moved here, when we moved to Glenmire, I just, my interest in going to town is just so much more effort to go to town now than it ever was I, for me before. I, I think so in reality, like, uh. it was, it's not that much harder than Douglas, was it? You know what I mean? I think it's because hey, well, you've got a baby a and like, all that, it's just, no? A bit like, and also, obviously, I'm still not driving. Let's not mention the war. Um, <laughs> and the bus situation in Glenmire is a, atrocious. It's so bad. It's mm-hmm. absolutely disgraceful. Like, they just never turn up and stuff. But um, actually, next August, we're going to have a bus passing our front door. Fab. <laughs> so, well, I'm no excuse. But anyway, I'll be driving by then. So well, no I'll tell you about my but, bus expedition yeah. last week. I was on jury <laughs> duty in Livingston, which is oh, only yeah, about 20 yeah. minutes away. But you can get a bus outside my door and it takes about an hour. So that'll just tell you now, right? So um, I was doing that thing. Oh, the little bus, the little bus like pats around. The tiny little bus you see passing by, yeah. Yeah. So I always remember when I was first living in Edinburgh and people would come to visit and they'd be like, I couldn't possibly get the bus. We used to get taxis everywhere, you know, if somebody was on holidays or whatever. Even the first few times I came to visit, I didn't get the bus, you know. And it's not as if we had loads of money. We were just like, oh, the bus, you know, and also we'll get lost. So anyway, I was kind of giving myself a talking to last week because obviously we've only got one car. Strudy did the car for doing all the pickups and whatnot when I was at jury duty. So... I said, look, I'll get the bus. So I was like, oh God, the bus, is it going to come? Is it not going to come? Came out, went out, stood at the bus. Well, there isn't even a bus stop. You just have to stand there and wave it down. And I was like, it's, it's so not coming. It's that you have to wave it down. Uh-huh. That's the funny. I was like, thing. it's not coming. Is it coming? It's not coming. I was all paranoid. And then I was like, yeah. oh, can you pay with a card on the bus? You know, I was like, you've turned into sh- no old fart, Kelly, you know. Yeah. But um, because obviously I, I went on the bus. Once I moved here, I got totally into the bus. I used to love going on the bus, actually. You know, it's yeah. kind of a peaceful time, you know. It is. They put in your headphones and kind of zone yeah. out from the world. But um, anyway, got in the bus and it was brilliant, actually. And my friend Catherine Keane sent me a... Uh, link to an article about Michael Stipe that was like 15,000 words long you know it was like <laughs> and I was like 
just happened to kind of open at that time. And I was like, this was and I was kind of stressed out about the case. It was the last day of the court case. And actually, it was great. And I felt really chilled when I arrived in Livingston and everything. Well, that was not the case on the way home later in the day. Oh, no. Oh, my God. The bus was disgusting. Oh, I sat like this tiny little bus. You probably only fit about 20 or 30 people on it, right? But it's more or less like a public bus, you know. And um, so I sat sort of two or three seats from the back. And this guy, it it was getting busier, you know. And this guy got on with his kid and the kid didn't want to sit in the back seat. So I was like, oh, come on, why don't you hop in here and I'll move to the back seat? Oh, my God, the smell in the back seat. It was like a mix of, and this is no exaggeration, B.O. Vomit? No, not vomit, <laughs> actually, funny enough. B.O. Hash and shite, poo. <laughs> it was disgusting. It was so rank and it was roasting, you know, because the engine's there or whatever. Oh, yeah. And I had a guy sitting to the left of me and a guy sitting to the right of me. And I was like, I was kind of afraid to look at them. And I was just so stressed out. Oh, my God. I came in and I went straight. That you get for being a good Samaritan. I like. came in <laughs> and got straight in the shower. Actually, about 20 minutes after somebody got out of one of the further up seats and I went and sat up there and it wasn't half as bad. But like I said, sure, I am never, ever getting that bus back again. Whatever about going over in the morning when it's like it was yeah, all kind of clean, busy. functioning people on the way back. Yeah. It was like, oh, God. But um, anyway, so, yeah, so there are escapades in, in the bus uh, <laughs> in Little Lithgow. But anyway, just to mention briefly the jury thing. Yeah, it was horrendous. Uh, it was awful. I was on a rape case and we convicted the guy and yeah, it was horrible. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But there you go, all part of life and doing your civic duty and all that stuff. So anyway, what have you been up to? That sounds very morbid. I had a nice relaxing weekend after that. Actually, we did nothing. So that was lovely. And we did yeah, some, you needed that after. put up the Christmas decor. I always and all think that it's mad when you hear about a story like that where somebody actually does go to jury duty and actually does get a serious case because there's so many boring monotonous cases yeah. out there mm-hmm. that's kind of mad when you actually do know some because I was really surprised when you said obviously it was like as serious as it was mm-hmm. so um yeah mad uh what have we been up to well I went to my Christmas party on Thursday and when I say that the free wine was a bad idea oh. I cannot overemphasize enough the level of fear that I've had it's only kind of easing oh, today no. <laughs> and never have I been more glad not to see anyone I work with for another four to five months. Oh, <laughs> so. cringe. Oh, welcome to Christmas well, party. To be, to be honest, Shane was kind of the same. Elaine was kind of the same. We all just kind of had the fear. And like, <laughs> That's OK. You weren't I think alone. It was just, <laughs> no, I wasn't alone. I think it was just kind of like we just let loose a bit too much, yeah. you know, and things are a little bit blurry and Nick's like got a bit emotional <laughs> oh, as Jesus well. Christ. And like I literally was like crying and someone saying to me, I know it's the pregnancy hormones to me. <laughs> and I think I was like, I'm a hormonal while crying. Um, oh, yeah, and they're no. people I work with, you know, not like my best buds oh, or anything. God. I mean, it wasn't Trina or Lane that I was crying to. So, um, Actually, yeah, I was talking so. to another friend who shall remain nameless. Uh, a couple of nights ago and she had her Christmas party at the weekend and she was telling I I remembered her Christmas party last year was an absolute shit show (laughs) she got absolutely (laughs) bananas and had to check into a hotel (laughs) oh because she couldn't face the drive home (laughs) and she was spewing and everything 
Well, so I'm I was like, Lane. her car is actually still outside my house four days later. <laughs> <laughs> Same two cars, oh. thank God. Before Patrick collected her, and her car is still across oh, the road. Oh, that's hilarious! Here. So, um, yeah, it was pretty bad. And you could be practicing your driving in that car. <laughs> yeah, God, I don't think she'd like that. But um, oh, God, Christmas yeah, parties, so like, beware! I just. Yeah. Haven't I don't drink wine much anymore. Uh, like I totally stopped drinking it. Like I have an odd few Proseccos, but even in the last few months, I haven't really had any Prosecco. Yeah. And wine is the only drink that I drink that makes me. Oh, like, I, I had a blob actually as well the weekend before down when I went to Tim's, my uncle's birthday, our uncle's birthday party down in London. Oh, and the Prosecco. And I, yeah. I think we just drank the first few drinks so quickly. And then there was a bit of an emotional yeah. moment. And I just, I couldn't cope. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I think like as well, if you haven't really been drinking that much and then it's the wine and I was nervous as well Mm. because obviously I'm not in work at the moment. Mm -hmm. Bloody dog. Sorry, he's creating so much noise. He's trying to look at you. Oh, Ted. Hi, buddy. Hi, bud. See you in two weeks. Yay. Um, Anywho, uh, and I was nervous. So I like down the first couple of drinks and because it was like you could there was a normal bar. But of course, Nicola on unpaid leave was like, oh, no, I'm going to drink free all wine. the free booze. Oh, Jesus. So and then only halfway through the night realized that like Prosecco was you could get Prosecco for free as well, not just red or white wine. Oh. So, um, yeah. But so anyway, the fear is just about easing now. So good luck, so. everybody, with your emotional uh, <laughs> drunken turmoil over the next couple of weeks. And I never... I never get that drunk at that party. I've gone every year. I've been working there for 11 years. Like It creeps up on you, I those never... things, I think. They creep up on you. You, yeah. you. you know, you're going out and you're like, yeah, everything's fine, blah, blah. And then it's just, it's it's not just the drink. Like it, it, these things, there is something in it. You know, as you said, you were probably a bit apprehensive about um, seeing all the work folk and, and that oh, kind of thing. Oh, yeah, totally. And like there's just something, nervous, yeah, that kind of tips you, tips you. There's an emotional thing that tips you over the edge when you could normally just like move along, you know. But um, And as well, I think, and I said it to Elaine that, that night, since I've, I've only been out like obviously a few times since the baby was born. And I find that I'm not as good at socializing as I used to be. Like I can't, like I keep interrupting people, not on purpose. I'm just literally not used to conversing with people. It's probably because you've a lot to say as well, because you're kind of at home on your own alone all the yeah, time. Maybe, you yeah. know, um, but, um, I had to apologize to her and she was like, no, no, no. She was like, I know. She was like, I was the exact same. And I was like, this is so weird. I was like, I'm never like this. And I just keep like finding myself interrupting people. And I have to and I'm apologizing for it. Not that they even probably notice or care, but I notice it. You know, it's wild. That's that's. <laughs> Well, just, you know, they say your brain actually changes after you have a baby. So there you go. It could be yeah. something related to that. But anyway, yeah. I'm still looking forward to your sparkling company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, maybe no wine. Prosecco's all right, but no. no you're wine. a bit of a... <laughs> Although I did have a glass Sunday night to just ease the fear. And I sort of got it worked. So yeah. I was like... <laughs> you need it sometimes. Oh, yeah. You definitely need it that sometimes. It. So, yeah. So that was... Yeah, we had a very quiet weekend. We had... um putting up the Christmas tree and all that jazz and doing sort of stuff at home with the kids and it was actually kind of magical it was laugh. I was laughing I was talking to mum on the phone the other night and I was like so yeah on Saturday we put up the um, Christmas decorations the Christmas tree and everything and we sat down and watched Home Alone at like half four in the afternoon and the Aww. girls were drinking their hot chocolate and I was me and Stuart were having our mince pies and all that and I was like oh god Aww. it dawned on me I was like we peaked we've peaked Christmas too way too soon Aww. way too soon because we won't have any we probably won't have a relaxing moment like that again for the rest of Christmas <laughs> but um, it's nice to do that It's I think as well the tree just makes it, the room more cozy oh totally well, it? yeah, so yeah and 
yeah. all the lights and stuff. So yeah, so that's cool. Um, but anyway, folks, welcome to Fox Force 5. We've got lots of interesting stuff on the podcast for you today, including uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is... Oh, things you shouldn't say to women, funnily enough, kind of feeds into that... Um, conversation we've had about making people cry at Christmas parties oh or God, crying yeah. at Christmas and this parties. this thing too, people are much more sensitive nowadays too. Yeah. So like, I'd be kind of taking the piss and stuff and then, you know, you wake up the next day and you're like, did I did say I the right the thing? <laughs> <laughs> I know. You also kind of give less of a shit too. So the older you get. Yeah, I definitely took the piss too much out of poor old Shane. I apologize oh. to him the next day. Public so. apology. He's getting a public apology on the podcast now as well. Where, <laughs> yeah, there you go, Shane. Um, please forgive her. Um, yes. And I have an interesting character on the... I meant to do this. I meant to start doing this at the top of the podcast is telling the listeners what's coming up on the podcast. But uh, interesting character for Fox... This week, it is Ada Lovelace, who you may or may not have heard of. And the final thing I'm going to cover today is some interesting blur slash Damon Alburn news as well. So, shall we kick off? Indeed, kick off. Okay. Number one. One. So, I thought this was quite interesting. Maybe don't agree with all of it, but we can have a bit little chat about it. It was from her. If you've ever felt a pang of shame, frustration, or even anger from an untoward question about your personal life or body, you are certainly not an... an alone. Uh, Questions about the innermost details of a woman's personal life or comparing their journey to societal expectations should also be left a couple of hundred years in the past. Most of the time it's completely out of curiosity with no harm meant. However, it pays to know that some questions should be kept to ourselves or for Google at the very least. A new piece of research published by Peanut, an online community for women at every stage of their fertility journey, um, outlined the unwanted questions everyone should avoid asking. The data was collected by Peanut in September 2023 by surveying 3,615 women. That's a fairly decent sample. Often these questions are asked without the intent of causing awkwardness or embarrassment or on occasions when people are catching up for the first time in a long time. These range from the usual suspects, are you married? When are you going to have kids? Was it planned? To interrogation that can turn an entire room silent. Questions such as, when are you going to give him a baby? Why hasn't he, they proposed yet? Or asking to hear details of a birth story. <laughs> Other anxiety inducing contenders. I love those. I know, yeah. <laughs> I love the birth stories. They're like, tell me everything. Uh-huh. Other anxiety inducing contenders include, why do you look like that? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Can I play with the baby? Are you sure it's not twins? I got that with Estelle. Fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> has your husband's partner been babysitting? Um, the list goes on. Sadly, inappropriate questions about miscarriages, breastfeeding and baby care that also upset women also land on the list. The report entitled The State of Invisibility suggests that any questions about a woman's relationship, fertility, pregnancy, motherhood or menopause should be open-ended and framed more positively than the aforementioned. These questions should be free from placing blame, guilt or judgment. For example, well-intentioned questions such as how's the baby bump? Are you hormonal? And how do you do it all? Can be reframed to sound like how are you? What is making you feel upset? And how is the mental load? <laughs> According yeah. to clinical psychologist Peanuts, Dr. Rachel, being mindful, she doesn't have a surname, just Dr. Rachel, being mindful <laughs> of language is key. We never know what anyone is going through unless they tell us. And this is why we need to be mindful of our language. We need not to make assumptions or even use language that seems like we are making assumptions and instead show care and ask questions in a compassionate way. Asking open-ended questions mm. allows the individual to respond as they want to and not feel pressure to answer in a certain way. If you get a few drinks in, they're more likely to be, but more liberal, I suppose. Um, We must take the time to actually hear their response and further acknowledge that not everyone wants to share everything or is ready to share 
and that needs to be okay. Research like this helps women to curate a world where societal expectations and stigma don't weigh heavy on their hearts and educates us all to do better for the next generation of females. I've been asked more than once this year if I was going to have another child, which is kind of inappropriate. I've been asked, I was once, somebody said to me before Stuart and I were married, why would he, what was the expression? It was kind of a joke, but it's it's very crude. Why would he pay for the milk when he churns the butter for free? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that wasn't much. I was like, sorry. (laughs) It wasn't even a person I know very well. Um, They're awkward, though. I just feel like it's word vomit. Like, you know, I don't know. I I don't think I'm too precious about those things. Yeah, I I wouldn't be particularly precious precious about it. I'd just be like, yeah, whatever. Or like, mind your own business or... um, But funny enough, it coincides with a story mom told this week about one time saying to one of the lads teachers saying, oh, oh, when is the baby due in a parent teacher meeting? And she was like, I'm not pregnant. (laughs) What a stupid woman, though. I mean, mom. I mean, she she acknowledges it was terrible. Oh, I I did feel sorry for you'd want the ground to swallow you up like, you know, but um, yeah. Yeah, I I, few things I found mad after the baby was like things like um, uh, the feeding thing mm. a lot of people ask about feeding mm-hmm. and it's like kind of like it's none of your fucking business you know breastfeeding can be very oh, mi- militant <laughs> or people get very militant over breastfeeding yeah but just it's like how's the feeding going you know blah 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 Fish, you know I just I, I've never asked anyone that question I just find found it kind of weird and very old fashioned and mm. yeah I don't know there was a few things right like when the baby came along first and even still now, it's like sometimes people say stuff. It's like, oh, she's such a good baby. But like, mm, she's a good baby, but it's kind of like. What is a good baby? It's a walk in the park. Mm-hmm. No, but it's just like, you know, I feel like people imply like because she's a pleasant baby that it's a walk in the park, you know, and it's and it's it's kind of implied, you know, mm. and stuff like that. I know you're probably more sensitive being hormonal <laughs> mm. and all that after having a baby. But like. There is some stuff, right? People just kind of put their foot in it and you're like, all oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. And you just kind of have to get on with it. And it, it's not even necessarily an older generation thing. I just think some people just kind of put their foot in it, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. It's, it's, it's kind of word like, vomit sometimes, isn't it? It's just people say the thing that's obvious or whatever and there's probably no Yeah, and then even just like some people are like, oh, and how are you coping with this? And how are you coping with that? And it's just so worded, it's so weird. It's like it, it kind of is weighted. I like, remember saying this to you before and and... I don't know if you were in the conversation, but certainly mom didn't agree. I hate when people say, how are you in yourself? Yeah, I hate yeah, that expression. It's it's it, there's almost an implication so that have you got mental health problems at the moment? Yeah, you're not right. right? Yeah, that I, and I know some people will definitely disagree with this, but I've never liked that. Yeah, I agree. I don't like that, that question. How are you in yourself? It's like an oldie Irish way of saying, I can tell you're probably suffering mentally at the moment. Do you want to talk about it? I prefer for somebody to say the... to me, do you want to do you want to have a chat or how are you feeling? How are you yeah, feeling? How are you feeling? Yeah. You know? Yeah, this is the thing too. I don't mind. That is perfect. But like the whole, how are you coping? It's like, I don't yeah. like the word coping. You're clearly either. not functioning. So how are you coping? <laughs> It's weird. Like, I just feel like it's kind of negative as well. So, like, stuff like that. I, I know, to be fair, I'd still just get on with it. I don't really care that much. Mm, yeah. Like, but yeah, people. And you know, their intentions are probably good, you know. 
Yeah, a few people now with the party, right? I already said it to me uh, about like second kids and stuff. But I feel like, to be honest, it was well intentioned. You know, mm. it was more like, you know, oh, are you going to have a second? You know, that kind of way. Like, and I, I've asked those kind of questions to some of my friends. Yeah, but I feel because I'm older, it's like people. It's more of yeah, a sensitive question. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah, I feel like as well. Like when it's your friends and stuff, I don't think there should be an embarrassment in that because no. I think it's like. It's a massive thing in this life. This is more people like, you kind of don't really know, you know, or yeah, don't know very well. Yeah. Like, I guess that has a lot to do with these questions too, like how close you are to the person who's asking them or I suppose you wouldn't consider them inappropriate if it's somebody close to you or whatever, you know. Yeah. I will tell you one though. I thought you were going to say kind of more inappropriate stuff people say kind of about women, yeah. like to women kind of thing. Sorry, the baby is like cracking. Obviously, this is more about um, sort of fertility and yes, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I managed this guy once and he was having a bit of a bad day. And you could tell that he just did not enjoy being managed by a woman. And uh, I was asking him, sorry, <laughs> the baby is very vocal today. <laughs> cracking up. Um, and he was like, oh, oh, she was a tough customer. She was definitely on her period. Oh, jeez. <gasps> In a like manager, subordinate like situation, conversation. And like, <laughs> it's just, it was just. So Totes in a probes. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. just like He obviously trusted okay. you. He obviously felt like he could be But if he said it and then his face dropped, you know, it was like he kind of forgot he was talking to a female yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. so inappropriate. But I've had way more stuff like that said mm. where like men will make a comment about women in general mm-hmm. than than the fertility stuff inside of things. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Uh I I yeah, that r- kind of reminds me of like when people over here talk about immigrants and then it's like, well, I'm an immigrant. You know what I mean? And, it, you know, you hear about people going on about immigrants and you have to kind of remind them yeah. that actually, technically, I'm an immigrant too, you know. But because um, they don't, they, they classify immigrants as like looking different, you know, and exactly. they don't think the same thing of Irish people, generally speaking. So that was the whole thing around Brexit. It was like, mm. well, actually, Brexit is... You still have a lot of like colonies of Great Britain that will still come to the country, like yeah. you know, and there was complete ignorance about the whole thing. What's an immigrant mm-hmm. and all that? So anyway, there you yeah, go. Yeah, anyway, people are awkward and stupid. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> right, go on. So that's number one for you. Moving along, Nicola. Number two. Two. So last week I talked about leave the world behind. I watched it. Watched it. Did you watch I it? Okay, we can talk about that. Yeah. I don't think it's. It's one of those movies that you're not really spoiling. But no. anyway, we'll talk about it. Um, we don't have to give away the end. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, actually. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. It's not I... brilliant. It's not brilliant. It's not going to no. be like you're not fully satisfied at the end of it. But I really enjoyed it, yeah. It's way more dialogue than it is action-y. Like yeah. it's not, there's no real action there's in it, I would say. Action. There's a good bit There's a good bit a bit like there's, good, there's quite know. a lot of dramatic action I know but for points. a doomsday kind of psychological oh, yeah, thriller yeah, yeah. I definitely thought it'd be on like a bigger scale you're kind of expecting of them to be kind of running through neighbourhoods and ducking and diving Stuff and all like that. that yeah yes, less of yeah, that yeah, yeah you're right yeah but um, it's more intellectual it. isn't it it is yeah. more intellectual and like there's conversations and a lot of it is dialogue it's very dialogue heavy so, so yeah so you can, we can tell people that basically the start of it is Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke and their two kids are just take a random little break in the Hamptons. They're both kind of busy. Long Island. Or sorry, Long, Long Island. Island. They're both like yeah. busy people or whatever. Yeah. And next things, funny things start happening. The internet goes down, power outages, that kind of thing. And then the people who own the house turn up at the door, two of them, father and daughter. And 
they ask if they can stay because they didn't want to go back into the city and it is their house and um, so the guy I can't remember the name of the actor they're black the family that own the house and you can kind of tell straight away that Julia Roberts is a bit racist so there's yeah. this sort of tension between them all about who motivations and whatnot, and um, and it kind of goes from there and things get worse obviously on the um, on the the issue of like end of the world approaching or whatever it is that's attacking them. Yeah, or but it, it's it's well done in the sense of like you're not really sure what the hell is going for on for a long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't have an idea yeah. of what it is, and it's all a bit kind of random. All the stuff that's happening, and yeah, actually, when I think back, there is a couple of big scenes, all right, big kind of drama. I actually said to Stuart, I was like, I definitely like. wasn't able for this film until now. You know. I remember because yes, of COVID. Yeah. yeah. I, anything that was like existential threat stuff, I could not do during or after COVID. Yeah. I was like, I don't have the bandwidth to deal with other potential end of world scenarios yeah, at the moment. I'll tell you a funny story because while we were watching it, Stuart was there Googling uh, satellite phones. <laughs> I know. Uh, when I said to Stuart, I was like, who has a satellite phone? Nobody has a satellite phone. <laughs> Come on. But you can't buy them either because they're all sold out everywhere. That's hilarious. Um, which is slightly worrying. But anyway. But who are you um, going to phone if all the other phones are down? <laughs> that's it. But, it. but it starts, like, again, I don't think it's spoiling it, but it starts very simply that just the internet goes down. Mm. But the amount of chaos drama that, that causes. Yeah. It's just the chaos because the mm. internet goes. And that's mental to think about it. Mm. Like, if the internet goes... Most people don't have landlines anymore. No cellular data. It was the cellular as well as the internet. Yeah. Like, I have to pick the baby up so she's chatting to me. It was funny. It reminded me of like, because there's a bit at the start where she bumps into Kevin Bacon at the supermarket, who, by the way, isn't in the film that much if anybody's expecting to see a lot of him. And um, he's prepping, he's buying stuff. And it just took me back to that the lockdown of COVID oh, the first time when we were toilet like paper. buying <laughs> yeah, toilet paper and pasta and dried stuff and tinned stuff and all that just in case things went completely wrong because they were talking do you remember they talked about the supply chain was going to be impacted and oh the fucking anxiety when I think about it oh and I saw a clip the other day it's mental that we actually went through it all there was a clip on something was it on Gogglebox from some news a news broadcast and they were counting were they counting the no- oh, counting the number of people that had been vaccinated and the numbers were going up kind of slowly? You know, I was like, Jesus Christ, that was so intense. And remember, we were counting the numbers of dead and the numbers of... Yeah. Jesus, when you think about it. No wonder we were all... The, the media coverage of it was so intense. Like, you know, it was yeah, wild. wild. But anyway, we'll be talking about that for years to come. But it's good anyway. It's worth it. It's about two hours yeah. and a bit, like, a bit long. It was long. I enjoyed it. I Jer enjoyed it less than me. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was good. I thought it was different take on all of that stuff. So, Aunt Kelly is waving out to the baby who's sitting on my lap. So. Oh, she's all smiles. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it's worth it. It's I, worth it. It's good. I definitely do think it's worth the watch. Yeah, and Julia Roberts plays thing. a character kind of unlike the normal character she plays. So, I enjoyed that as well. I yeah, have she's say. a bit of an arsehole in mm-hmm. it, actually. But she kind of redeems herself a little bit. But, like, she's an asshole for most yeah, of it. Yeah, she is. She is. She is. So, and the kids are quite annoying. Yeah. All three kids. Yeah. From one, the girl from one family and the two from the other family are all very annoying. But... <laughs> same time like you just get on with it like yeah yeah okay cool Um, so yes that was my watch this week and now recommendation excellent okay leave the word behind okay cool number three three right so our facts of the week this week is Augusta Ada King Countess of Lovelace she was Byron 
which will become sorry now, but she does sound like it does sound like some sort of porn. Yeah, love lace does, doesn't it? The Countess. Of so it was her birthday <laughs> this week, actually. So she was born on the tenth of December, eighteen fifteen, and she died in November eighteen fifty two. So quite a long time ago, nearly two hundred years ago, right? Uh, she was an English mathematician and writer, chiefly known for her work on Charles Babbage's proposed mechanical general purpose computer, the analytical engine. She was the first to recognise that the machine had applications beyond pure calculation. Ada Byrne was the only legitimate child of poet Lord Byron and reformer Lady Byron. All Lovelace's half-siblings, Lord Byron's other children, were born out of wedlock to other women. Byron separated from his wife a month after Ada was born and left England forever. He died in Greece when Ada was eight. Her mother was anxious about her upbringing and promoted Ada's interest in maths and logic in an effort to prevent her from developing her father's perceived insanity. Despite this, Ada remained interested in him, naming her two sons Byron and Gordon. Although often ill in her childhood, Ada pursued her studies assiduously. She married William King in 1835. King was made Earl of Lovelace in 1838, Ada therefore becoming Countess of Lovelace. Her education and social exploits brought her into contact with scientists such as Andrew Cross, Charles Babbage, Sir David Brewster, Charles Sweetstone, Michael Faraday and the author Charles Dickens, contacts which she used to further her education. Ada described her approach as poetical science and herself as an analyst and metaphysician. When she was 18, her mathematical talents led her to a long working relationship and friendship with fellow mathematician Charles Babbage, who's known as the father of computers. She was in particular interested in Babbage's work on the analytical engine. Lovelace first met him in June 1833, though they're through their mutual friend and her private tutor, Mary Somerville. Between 1842 and 1843, Ada translated, uh, blah, 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 blah. Lovelace's notes are important in the early history of computers, especially since the seventh one contained what many consider to be the first computer program. That is an algorithm designed to be carried out by a machine. She also developed a vision of the capability of computers to go beyond mere calculating or number crunching, while many others, including Babbage himself, focused only on those capabilities. Her mindset of poetical science led her to ask questions about the analytical engine, examining how individuals and society relate to technology as a collaborative tool. Lovelace died at the age of 36 on November 27th, 1852 from uterine cancer. The illness lasted several months, at which time her mother took command over whom she saw and excluded her friends and confidants. Under her mother's influence, she had a religious transformation and was coaxed into repenting of her previous conduct and making Annabella her executor, her mother. She lost contact with her husband after confessing something to him on the 30th of August, which caused him to abandon her bedside. It's not known what she told him. She has. Oh, she was buried at her. Drive re- you mental, wouldn't it? <laughs> she was buried at her request next to her father at the Church of Saint Mary Magdalene in Hucknall. A memorial plaque written in Latin to her and her father is in the chapel attached to Horsley Towers. I think she's a fairly colourful life. I've only touched on it there, but I think that's some of what it was alluding to her whispering to him on her deathbed. Yeah. But there Very you go. Secret. Very interesting character when you consider she lived yeah, two hundred years ago. Two hundred years ago. Yes. You know, there you go. Ada Lovelace, not a porn star. There you go. Great name, though. Mm -hmm. Great name. Number four. Uh, Nicola Lovelace. (laughs) At number four. Four. (laughs) She's laughing. What are you laughing at? What are you laughing Uh, at? So I have a nice, lovely, innocent one for you this week. It gave me a lot of joy. Jer actually sent it to me. And it's called, uh, it's basically a family that run a ranch. And they're called... Uh, the Riley Ranch, well, it's the Riley Ranch um, is the like at on Instagram. Mm. And it's basically this these two guys and their baby and they have a big family of animals. 
and uh it's just lovely content uh, they like there's like all these little videos of like them wheeling big barrel big wheelbarrows of fruit and veg out to like um kind of a paddock of goats mm. and then seeing their reaction to certain vegetables and oh, stuff. Hilarious. it sounds so stupid but i tell you it is so enjoyable to watch the tomato video in particular the loads of goats eating tomatoes is um just gave me a lot of joy <laughs> so it's a bit random but goats um, eating tomatoes you, the kind of content we need at this time of follow. year yeah yeah they're very sweet and uh it's just all very lovely cool. charming warm content. the riley yeah, ranch and that's on instagram yeah. Yes. Fabulous. Thank you very much. Okay, number five. Five. So in our final slot this week, we have music news and the news that Damon Albarn has said he's pissed off with the Rolling Stones for their nonsense involvement with Hackney and objification of Sydney Sweeney. So, yeah, so they brought out an album recently called Hackney Diamonds, right? And Hackney Diamonds mm-hmm. are supposed to be like, you know, when glass breaks. The glass in the oh, ground, okay. that's where any diamonds are, right? The Blur frontman spoke about the legendary band in a new interview with French magazine Les Inrock Coutubli, where he was asked about his thoughts on their new album Hackney Diamonds. He said, this really annoyed me because my family lives in Hackney and the way they showed up at the Hackney Empire venue really pissed me off. They've never done a thing in, th- in Hackney. They've never played there, never contributed to anything. They just showed up. It's all nonsense. Alburn also expressed his irritation with their song Angry, whose music video features Euphoria star Sydney Sweeney, who Alburn thought was objectified. I listened to their new song and watched this horrible music video showing them at different stages of their lives on billboards. And this young woman objectified. What the hell is it? There's something completely disconnected. When asked about whether Alburn would be 80 years old on billboards capitalising on your past glory, he responded, there's no chance and I'll tell you why. I did all sorts of things, whereas they've never been anything other than the Rolling Stones. I love the idea of devoting your life to one thing in search of the sublime, but the truth is they've become worse. Worse at persisting to stay themselves. That's something I don't understand. Making exactly the same music, but not that good. There must be no joy in doing something like this. And then he goes on and on. But anyway, later in the in the interview, he also said that um, he's had enough of Blur for now again. It's too much for me. Oh. It was the right thing to do and an immense honour to play those songs again. Spend time with the guys, make an album, blah, 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 to quote him exactly. Oh, God. Um, so he's got, uh, he's writing an opera with, oh, um, he's writing an opera That'll be presented in Paris next year and he's reunited with Jamie Hewlett in India to start working on a new Gorillaz album. So, yeah, I'll go with Damon Albarn. Right. He doesn't rest Damon Albarn. Like, he is a pretty impressive artist, to be honest with you. Hey, we never mentioned Shane McGowan last week I either. Know. I know. obviously it's very much... The funeral was fabulous, anyway. wasn't the it? The funeral was lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very nice. Except for, like, his wife is a bit mad some of the things she came out with. But anyway, um, it was lovely and I really enjoyed Nick Cave's version of Rain Night and So. It's one of my favourite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think I cried like five times. I was very emotional that day after the night out the night before. Um, It was lovely. And if anyone hasn't seen it, I would recommend. They're all on YouTube, all the songs. And obviously, yeah, Glenn Hansard sang Fairytale in New York. I'm not the biggest Glenn Hansard fan, mm. but it was nice. It was enjoyable. And there's a big push over here to get Fairytale in New York number one for Christmas. It's never There's a big been push for it here too because it was never number one here. Yeah, so, so it's number one here now, but we'll see if it lasts until Christmas mm, time. So I saw one yeah, of those, um, you know, they make up those images of all the people that have died in the past 12 months. I saw yeah. one on Facebook there earlier. It's wild how many famous people died this year. Big, big Irish big um, singers between Sinead O'Connor and um, God, that guy whose name I always forget, who's the head of, you know. Well, oh Aslan. Yes, exactly. Christy What's Dignam. 
Christy Dignam. Christy Dignam. Yes, so a big impact on yep. the Irish music scene as well. So we're nearly oh, out of time. Um, very, very much looking forward to your visit at the weekend. It's Nicola's birthday. Happy birthday, Nicola O'Brien. Get Thank to give you your president you. person this weekend, oh, which well, will involve you. margaritas. <laughs> and uh, I would suggest doing a Instagram Ask Me Anything on Sunday, but that might be a bridge too far. But we'll see. You'll never know. And we will be back again, hopefully next week, with squeeze one in before Christmas. Hopefully, hopefully. If things aren't too mental, we'll be getting ourselves ready for hitting the road for the long drive back to Ireland. So it's a it's a busy time. So take care of yourselves, everybody, and each other. And uh, what's wrong, Nicola? Oh, it's there's a sound Wrap effects. Wrap it up. I was going to say you're going to cut out. Sound effects. Time. Sound effects coming from that end. Um, yeah. Enjoy Christmas parties, Christmas shenanigans, and we'll talk to you all next week. See you soon. Bye. Bye.